Okay, I hope you have last week's handout. If you don't, that's okay. We are going to cover some of that. Uh, but we'll be in Revelation 12 to start out. We talked. Uh, we started talking about the bad guys in Revelation last week. Starting with the false teachings, and I was asked who the Nicolaitans were, and from everything that I could find, there's a thought about maybe who they are, but uh, the, uh, the overarching idea is that it's just a paganism plus Christianity kind of idea uh, that led to the kind of stuff that we see, sexual morality and idol worship, stuff like that, bringing in occult practices alongside Christianity and saying that both of those things are okay. You don't have to give up, uh, you know, sorcery, divination, astrology, that sort of stuff with your Christianity. You can keep both of those together. So uh, that seems to be the idea. Though uh, the word uh, means to subdue or conquer, and so it's possible that that word is being used as a idea that is conquering you instead of you conquering it, if we want to look at it more metaphorically in Revelation, which I think is fine, because Revelation is like that. Uh, so it could be that too, it could be more a metaphor kind of idea. Uh, where, where are the extra handouts for those that Okay, sitting right there. Okay, fantastic. Okay, we talked about uh, false teachings, uh, Nicolaitan, the teaching of the Nicolaitans being one of them. Uh, and then alongside that, we talked about the devil a little bit, but that's where we're, we're finishing off today. Uh, and then we talked about the destroyer uh, in Revelation 9 a little more specifically. Now we'll talk about Satan a little more specifically, Revelation 12. If you don't have last week's paper, that's okay. Uh, this should be pretty straightforward, but do turn over to Revelation 12 uh, as we look at this. If you have the paper, then you see that the name for Satan here, uh, it's lengthy. Uh, so with our, our guy in Revelation 9, we had Hebrew, uh, Avedon, and Greek. Apollyon both mean to destroy or the destroyer. Uh, here in Revelation 12, uh, for Satan, you get the devil, dragon, Satan, serpent, accuser, and deceiver uh, as titles that are used for one individual here. Uh, all those have some significance to them. Dragon is significant as we go throughout Revelation because it shows up. Like there's, a whole, there's a whole narrative in the middle, and we'll see that today uh, on the second sheet. Uh, there's a whole... Uh, narrative in the, in the middle of this that involves and revolves around the dragon. Uh, we'll see that more as we go. Uh, devil and Satan are important because those are terms that we just get. Like We hear that and we go, I, I know who that's talking about. That's, that's the bad guy. That's, that's him. Uh, and so those are helpful to kind of orient us towards uh, who we're talking about. Uh, serpent is important because it takes us into Genesis, which I think is on your paper there, yeah. The serpent is Genesis 3 terminology. John likes to go back into Genesis uh, on a few occasions. He does that in his gospel. Uh, his, uh, his gospel opens with, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Uh, but that phrase, in the beginning, is meant to be a callback to Genesis 1. You know, let's, let's start from the beginning here, but in the beginning, uh, Jesus. And that's, that's what John wants to do there. 
And so he's using the term serpent uh, here to refer to Satan. And he also says from the beginning uh, in that section. We'll look at that in just a minute. Uh, and deceiver and accuser are important because John, uh, that's, that's the big problem as far as John is concerned with this guy. He's a liar. You know, he twists the truth. And we'll talk more about that in the sermon uh, this morning, why truth and, and twisting of truth is uh, such an important idea. Okay, uh, chapter 12, we'll start in verse 1. We'll start in verse 1, Revelation 12. Read a little bit here. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. We're not talking about who the woman is, by the way, today, but we'll do that at some point, promise. We have many weeks left, okay? We've got a lot of stuff to look at, uh, so don't ask that question. <laughs> All other questions are fine. Uh, she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its head seven diadems. Uh, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. We'll also talk about numbers in another class, too. So don't ask that question. That's <laughs> Any other questions are good, though. Woman, numbers. That's, that's what we're not doing. We'll get there. Uh, verse 7. Now, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. Like, there's our big, there's a, just that verse that says, here's a ton of terms. Let's throw all these out. Uh, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser uh, of our brothers. Uh, the accuser of our brothers uh, has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Uh, and then if we kept reading there, he is thrown down to the earth, going to pursue, uh, pursue the child and the woman and all this. So picking up on the story. And that goes into chapter 13 as well. Like There's a whole narrative here. We'll get into 13 later on today. Uh, a number of terms are used here to discuss Satan. Uh, you'll recognize some of them. Uh, from the previous section here, uh, what we talked about in Revelation 9, there's a little bit of that. Uh, but we went through those names already. Uh, but I do want to talk about this. He's noted as sweeping down a third of the stars of heaven and casting them down to earth. Uh, the idea of, and I think we, yeah, uh, we talked about that in the Abaddon-Apollyon section last week. Uh, the idea of stars falling from heaven, because that's in Revelation 9, so we brought that up, so we'll refresh that. But the idea of stars being representative, or in the mind of people being actual uh, spiritual beings of some kind, was extremely common. And so the terminology of 
stars falling from heaven is communicating warfare uh, like these beings that are up there losing and, and being cast down. Uh, Ezekiel uses that language. Isaiah uses that language. Uh, it's, it's more common than we think. Certainly more common than it is for you know, us. Uh, so you have a third of the stars getting cast down. So you have Satan being effective here, or the dragon being effective in his fighting and all of this, but we know that they ultimately lose. Like That's what we've read already. Dragon and his angels are engaged in heavenly warfare against Michael and his angels. This chapter is just wild. Uh, the whole the whole thing is a ride. Uh, just going through it, and okay, we have this woman, there's this sign that appears, there's all this stuff that occurs that's great, and, and there's this dragon that's just waiting for the child, uh, and then we're told Michael and his angels have been fighting against the dragon and the angels with him. Uh, and if you were in our spiritual realm class earlier this year, uh, then you already know a lot of this stuff here. You've heard this before. Uh, because Revelation is not the first place, uh, nor is it even the most extensive place that this stuff is discussed. It's in the Old Testament, in a lot of, lot of different sections. Uh, this, is, this is something they would have understood well. And again, that's our biggest problem uh, in understanding Revelation is we don't understand the Old Testament like we need to. Uh, because that's where this stuff is talked about. But you have the dragon and his angels engaged against Michael and his angels. Daniel chapter 10 talks about this with Michael being engaged in spiritual warfare, uh, them fighting against somebody else in heavenly places. Uh, Paul talks about this stuff in, uh, in Ephesians as well. Uh, this isn't new to Revelation. It may be a little more descriptive here, uh, but it's not a new uh, idea or any of that. So Daniel 10, uh, we we don't need to read those, but 10, 13, and 20 through 21, if you want to see more on that. Uh, and the idea of being thrown down returns again here. It was, uh, it was in our previous section. Uh, you have the dragon being thrown down here uh, to the earth alongside his angels. They lose, so they get cast out uh, of these heavenly places. Then it says that well, here's what they're going to do. Uh, Woe to you, earth and sea, for the devil has come down in great wrath, for he knows that his time is short. So what's he going to be doing? He's going to pursue the woman. He's going to pursue the, the child, all of this. Uh, we can talk, well, we will talk more about those things specifically uh, at, a, at another class. But that's what he's going to do now. He's not going to give up and go, well, God beat me, so I guess I'm just, I guess I'm just stuck here on earth. Uh, he's going to continue fighting and warring against God in whatever way uh, he can uh, with whatever things that he has with him, uh, his angels and things like that. This is something that we are maybe more okay with, with Peter's verse, the devil prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Listen to that and go, okay, got it. You know, Satan's coming after you, that sort of thing. And don't think too much more of it. This is that idea. What's, what is somebody who's that opposed to God, that has been in God's presence and opposed him anyway? What is that thing going to keep doing uh, when it's defeated? Well, it's not going to give up. It's going to keep running. Go ahead, Don. I, I like the, the echoes back to the book of Job. Yeah. How he's walking around. So yeah. Like like yeah. Uh, you know, where, where have you come from while wandering to and fro on the earth? Uh, and even the phrasing there, sons of God, is an angel reference again. 
the spiritual realm class, guys, if you didn't, that's why we recorded all this stuff. <laughs> go, go listen to those things. It'll give you more questions. And you'll end up asking and studying and all that, and that's exactly what we want to be doing. Okay. Uh, but yes, the, the Joe uh, connection here is very good as well, uh, of seeing uh, those opposed to God not just giving up. They're going to continue their pursuit and go after people, the people of God and all this. Okay. Uh, and then we talked there about the serpent terminology taking us back to Genesis, uh, as well as the phrase uh, from the beginning. John uses this in his gospel, chapter 8, verse 44, uh, and in 1 John, uh, that the devil has been a liar from the beginning, that he's been this deceiver from the beginning. Uh, John likes to take us back all the way there to Genesis 3 and say this is this thing has been working against God and working against God through people from the very beginning. Uh, and he's still trying to do all of that here. Uh, and Revelation 12 just ends up being more descriptive uh, about Satan and what he's trying to do. Okay. The paper that you got today, that's where we're going next. Bad Guys Part 2. If this stuff doesn't make all that much sense, it's okay. Because <laughs> it's weird. Um, I do want questions to come up. Uh, also, so we'll be in Revelation 13, but then we're going to jump back into Daniel 7 here in a little bit because there's some stuff that we need to see there uh, and understand our Old Testament a little bit. I think this one's the coolest out of all the ones that we're going to talk about today. So let's talk about the Beast of the Sea. If I can say that it's cool, because these are bad things. Uh, these are not good things. They kill a lot of people, including the people of God, especially the people of God. Still cool to read about, though. And cool to see the connection uh, into the Old Testament. Okay, Revelation 13. This is the Beast of the Sea. When we end chapter 12, we have the dragon here. Well, let's just read verse 17. Uh, the dragon became furious with the woman, went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, which, which is how we win. We, we, when we talked about conquer a couple weeks ago, that's how the people of God win, holding to the testimony, following the commands of God. That's how we have victory. That's how we follow Christ and his victory over these things. Uh, and so that's where we're making war, uh, the dragon here. Uh, and he stood on the sand of the sea. And then chapter 13 says, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea. So we're not, we don't need to, we're, we're not jumping to a different scene or anything like that. We're continuing what chapter 12 is dealing with. We've got the dragon just hanging out on the edge, you know, overlooking uh, the water here. And then John says, And out of the water came this. The second half of 13 will say, and then out of the earth came this. It just, it's a continuation, a one right after the other, not something new. Okay, uh, it appears then, as a result of that, that the dragon's bringing help. He's <laughs> getting help to fight against these, uh, the woman and her offspring uh, that are getting away from her. And the description that we get, let's read through, let's read through verse 5 of chapter 13. I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast I saw was like a leopard, its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. 
And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Okay, the first part of the description that we get is very animalistic. Uh, This beast of the sea is like a leopard. Uh, It is like a bear, at least in its feet. Uh, It is like a lion in its mouth. Okay, these are all meant to be terrifying kind of animals. Uh, Strong, fast, all those kinds of ideas are what are being communicated here. We'll come back to these in just a minute. Okay, we're just laying out the descriptions. We'll come back to these, their significance in just a minute. Uh, We also have numerology brought in, ten horns, seven heads, Ten diadems, which are going to be crowns. Uh, that's what a diadem is. Uh, crowns on these on these horns here, and it exercises authority for 42 months. Those numbers may or may not mean anything to you right now. Uh, I think next week is where we'll start looking at some of the number stuff uh, for at least a couple of weeks. Because 10 and 7 and 42 and some other numbers are just repeated uh, throughout the book and throughout the Old Testament in places that are important. So we'll go there, but these numbers do matter. We'll talk about them later. Uh, We also have this description of the beast. It's tied to the dragon. The dragon gives it, the text says, authority to do this. Power, throne, and authority. So this beast, as great as it is in its description here, the authority that it has comes from the dragon. It's not, you know, something that's equal to the dragon. It's something that is working for. This thing has given it authority and power and all of that. Um, And this leads to both the dragon being worshipped as well as the beast because of the beast's size and power and all of that. But the dragon is worshipped here first uh, and above that. Okay, Daniel chapter 7. So if you have a Bible marker marked Revelation 13, because we'll come back. But Daniel 7. This is what I think is cool, uh, because you, if, uh, and this, this happens in uh, commentaries, other things like that, which is good, uh, but if you're not looking into those things, or you're looking at maybe books that are specifically written to address Revelation, uh, if it does not go back into Daniel 7, if it doesn't go back in the Old Testament much at all, it's a bad book, throw it away. Uh, Revelation cannot be understood without a very good understanding of the Old Testament. Uh, We need to know what these things say. Uh, Daniel 7 is, uh, well, Revelation 13, I should say, is basically just Daniel 7 again. So if we understand this chapter pretty well, we can understand Revelation 13 uh, with a lot more clarity. Okay, which I think is cool. Just really, just to understand those connections and how they, they come together and how they exist. Uh, In Daniel 7, in verse 3, uh, we have a vision of four beasts here in Daniel 7. So not one from the sea, but four. Uh, But all four of these things do come out of the sea. That's Daniel chapter 7, verse 3. Four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. Uh, And then Daniel describes these things. The first one uh, is like a leopard. The second one's like a bear. The third one is like a lion. And so it could be coincidence that they just happen to draw on those three out of all the animals to pull from, uh, or uh, there's a reason that 
what John is seeing uh, looks a lot like the stuff that Daniel saw. Now, uh, in Daniel 7, the leopard, bear, lion thing, those are three separate. This one that we're talking about in Revelation is just one with all three of those qualities. Well, hopefully, I think, bring this together. Uh, and at least have questions to, to clarify things in a moment. Okay. Uh, the fourth beast in Daniel is not given any animalistic description other than it's terrifying, dreadful, exceedingly strong, uh, and it's unlike the other ones before it. And so that, that's not to say that it doesn't have some animalistic kind of qualities like this, but the, the overriding description is terrifying, dreadful, uh, exceedingly strong, which connects with this idea of who could take the beast out? You know, they, they worship the beast because of its power and, and uh, its appearance and what it is capable of doing. Who would be able to defeat this? Okay, that's where we're at in Revelation. That's what Daniel sees, terrifying, dreadful, exceedingly strong. Okay, uh, the fourth beast is given dominion for a time here. It doesn't say by the dragon, but it is a dominion that is given to it, this power and authority and all of that. We saw that with this fourth beast in Revelation, or the, the, the beast in Revelation. Um, it has ten horns, similar to this one here, and or not similar exactly like uh, the one in Revelation 13. One of the horns is noted as speaking great things, uh, and later on in Daniel 7, this actually gets interpreted for us. This vision is interpreted, at least beast number 4 is, uh, in Daniel 7. Uh, it is speaking against the Most High, which is one of, the, one of the titles given to Yahweh throughout Daniel's writing, uh, Most High. Uh, because you have them in Babylon, and there are beliefs about other gods, and they call upon other gods in this book. Uh, the king of Babylon does, and he has servants that serve those gods, uh, and they fall short every time. But Daniel does not, and his friends do not. Yahweh is greater, our God's greater than your God, even if we're on your turf. That's the idea of Daniel. Pretty cool. Uh, and so, most high is... He is over all these things. Okay. Are we you following? Is it too early for this? This is weird stuff. Okay. Still going. Uh, he's speaking great things against the Most High, which connects to this speaking haughty and blasphemous things that we see in Revelation 13 from the beast there. Uh, the fourth beast in Daniel 7 here is said to be a conqueror of the saints, that it's going to have this, it's going to exercise this power and kill the people of God. Okay, well, we see that in Revelation 13 as well, uh, of, of verse 7, which we didn't actually read, but it says this. Uh, also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. That was one of our two uses of the word conquer that applies to uh, the enemy. All the other ones apply to the good guys. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. Okay. Uh, so the beast in Revelation 13 uh, is making war against the saints and conquering them. They are dying because of this thing. Uh, and that's what we're told in Daniel 7 will happen as a result of the fourth beast as well. The fourth beast is described as being different from all the beasts that were before it. Uh, I... This is not a stretch connection. This is not my idea uh, alone. Uh, I didn't come up with it. I do think it to be true, though. 
Uh, though a little harder to follow, it's interesting uh, that the one beast of the sea here is all the qualities of the other ones described in Daniel. Like all four of the ones described in Daniel, Revelation 13, this one beast we have here coming out of the sea, uh, leopard, lion, and bear, all those, it's all these things wrapped up into one. It's unlike anything that's ever come before it, uh, just like Daniel 7's fourth beast is described. Uh, and in Daniel, and you just read this if you want, uh, we're not told, hey, this is, this is Rome, uh, but throughout the various uh, visions in Daniel, uh, it becomes clear who the, the four kingdoms are. Uh, Babylon, Medes, and Persians as one, um, and then Greece, and then Rome. And this fourth empire is Rome every single time. In Daniel, that seems to be pretty clear. And so it makes sense, especially given Revelation and who is ruling at the time and the fact that they're undergoing these certain types of things, that we're, we're dealing with Rome. And that this thing that Daniel talked about all of these years before, John is saying, I'm, I'm seeing it, but it's happening now. Uh, and there are a lot of connections between Revelation and Daniel. We've talked about some. We'll talk about a lot more uh, coming up. Uh, but you have Daniel talking about stuff that at the end, at the end of this, uh, of Daniel 7, just says, uh, As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. My color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. He's... He's scared to death, but he's not talking about it. That's, that's it. He writes it down here and then moves on. And at the end of his book, this is one of the connections. At the end of his book, Daniel is told, seal up this stuff. You don't need to, you don't need to worry about this. This is stuff that's happening much later on uh, that isn't really all that important right now for the people of God. You guys just want to get out of captivity. I mean, that's, that's where the people of God are in Daniel. They just want to go home. Uh, and they do get to, to start. We get to see kind of the, the beginning of that process uh, here in the book. Uh, and so he's told to seal it up. John is specifically, uh, John specifically says in Revelation, we're not sealing these things up. He's told, do not seal up the words of this book. This stuff is coming soon, quick. Don't, don't seal this up. People need to read this. People need to know this. People need to see this because this stuff is happening. Uh, and so you have Rome a long ways away from Daniel. We get right into the Persian Empire with him. We still have their reign and then Greece, and then we get into Rome. But John is in the thick of it uh, and describing something that Daniel says. That, I mean, this is Rome. It fits all the pieces here. Interesting stuff. Do we have questions about the beasts of the sea? Do I need to go through all the Beasts of the Sea stuff again, <laughs> but less quick? I know we went through that fast. Uh, and me asking this has nothing to do with you as the listener. I'm hoping that I'm explaining it well. Uh, what Daniel lays out as these four beasts and the fourth being unlike all the other ones before, different from the ones before it, greater authority, power, uh, and victory, conquering ability than anything before it. Uh, that's what John is describing. So if we can understand Daniel 7 uh, and what's happening there. By the way, we're not done with the connections, but we'll come back to it in a minute. Uh, the, connect, the understanding of Daniel 7 helps us to understand this first beast in Revelation 13. Okay, back to Revelation 13, beast number 2. 
Sorry about how that's formatted on the paper. That's frustrating. <laughs> the title is right at the bottom of page one. But we'll flip to the back side of that page. Following the beast of the sea is the beast of the earth. And remember Revelation 12, 12, Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. <laughs> okay, well, we then get something from the sea, something from the earth. Okay, the devil is going to use uh, whatever authority, power that he has to bring uh, some terrifying things to the fight here. Uh, the beast is given some animalistic descriptions, though a lot lesser. Uh, verse 11, let's read through... Let's read through 15 here. Oh, no, no, we need to read all the way through 18, because this, yeah, I forgot. This one has the, the number. Uh, then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. Those are the two animal descriptions. <coughs> Looks like a lamb, speaks like a dragon. We'll come back to this. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence, and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Oh, man. There's something I forgot on your paper that's cool. Remind me to say the cool thing that I <coughs> forgot to put on the paper. It was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. That's people choosing the empire of the kingdom of God instead. Also, it causes all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For is the number of a man, and his number is either 666 or 616. It just kind of depends. We're not talking about numbers today again, but we will. Okay, I will come back to this. Uh, but nothing is going to happen because I said that, those numbers out loud, or because I wrote them on your paper or things like that. It's okay. Uh, but we'll talk about it. Okay. I need to say the cool thing, but not yet. Uh, the description of what this thing does is significant, uh, and it parallels uh, somebody that we appreciate very much. Uh, it performs great signs. It's doing all these signs and wonders, even making, it says, fire appear if it's coming down from heaven and, and all of this. Okay? Uh, for the purpose of leading others to follow the beasts of the sea. So it knows its role. It is pointing others to something greater than itself. Um, and then it's with this beast that we're given uh, the number 666. We will talk a tiny bit about numbers, uh, just so we can have an understanding here. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, let's talk about the cool thing here. Um, who does John talk about? Because we're going to stick with John first, since he wrote this. Who does John talk about that does signs throughout his writing? Nobody wants to say the answer because they're comparing it to a bad guy here. But Jesus, yeah. Jesus is the one who does all these signs and wonders and miraculous things. And uh, he is uh, this 
physical representing of who the Father is. Let's keep going here. Uh, how is Jesus described in Revelation? Uh, he's described a number of ways, but what's the animal quality that we've seen given to Jesus in Revelation? Lamb. Lamb. Oh, that, was, that was so much better. That response is really good. <laughs> lamb, but not just that, right? A lamb that was... Yeah, but, but yet lives. Hey, let's talk about this lamb-looking thing, right? But it speaks like a dragon, so we're connecting it to the bad guy. It speaks like the evil thing, but it looks like, it looks like this thing that's good. Okay, going down. Uh, the, the beast that it is representing here... Uh, and so it's it's the first beast and not this one here, but how is that beast described? It has a wound, mortal wound, should have killed it, but we find out here, yeah, it's healed. Yeah, so this thing should have died, but it looks like, you know, it looks like it's okay. Uh, there are all these connections to a Jesus kind of idea. There were so many false messiahs that, that came and said, I, you know, I'm Jesus, I've returned uh, during that time. I mean, they, they had a lot of that uh, that they had to deal with. People claiming to be Christ that were lying about those things, trying to deceive them and all of this. This is the description that we are getting, uh, is that you're going to have this thing that is, uh, and that's what we're told that it does. It deceives. It's lying. It's trying to say, hey, let's worship this, worship here instead Hey, here's what's not happening. This isn't how sin works. This isn't how Satan works. <clears throat> Satan doesn't come up. Uh, well, even Satan sends other things. He's the power behind the, the throne uh, with the bad guys, uh, as, as our descriptions are here. That timer's not right. We don't have... How much time do we have? Are we running out of time? There was no bell, so that's not true. Uh, I get five minutes from the bell. Uh, okay. <laughs> Satan does not come out and say, hey, I know God has said to do this, and I know that if you do those things, it'll give you eternal life and stuff, but I want you to do this instead and uh, come to the second death and all those things. Just So come on, come on. Uh, what he does is deviate just... Twist the truth enough to say, look, isn't this thing appealing? Isn't this a good thing? And also, uh, God doesn't want you to have this. God doesn't like you. God is keeping you from something enjoyable. Let, let's go down this road instead. And that's why it's a lot easier to be deceived because it looked, it, the offer looks tempting. If it didn't look tempting, it would be a lot easier to go, I don't, no thanks, I'm going to choose God over sin here. Go ahead. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, God is keeping you from because if you if you take of this, you'll be like Him. It's not true. We're already like Him. They were made in His image, but it was the twisting of that. Of God's keeping you from something really good. Listen to me and follow this instead, and that leads to all of this chaos and such. Our our church word today is sin. Uh, we are going to talk about sin a little bit. That's not because I felt like you know what we really need to talk about is sin. Uh, Somebody did, though, I guess. <laughs> Somebody texted and said, talk about this uh, as a church word. So we are. Anyway, uh, there, the whole thing is deception. That's why John calls the, the dragon, those that work with him, deceivers, uh, those that are trying to trick uh, and all of this. Okay, 
We're running out of time. Oh, we need to throw in, we'll throw in the 666. We'll skip over the great prostitute. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, you guys really wanted to hear that. Uh, we will come back to this a little bit uh, as we, we go forward. Uh, seven is regarded as a perfect number. We'll talk more about why and all of that at another time. Next week, we'll, we'll start with that. Uh, and so six is this idea of, of falling shy of it. Uh, and so it's representative of... Uh, God has this perfect created order and how he does things and all of this and uh, these things that claim to be God, or and that can include us, uh, that our, our best efforts were going to ultimately fall short. And that's what this thing is going to do. Uh, it is going to promise you the world and it's going to fall short of all of that. Like it's, it cannot lead you there. It's not its to give. Uh, that stuff belongs to God. Okay, we'll come back to that. That's what that number has to do with. Uh, even the small, great, rich, poor, free slave, you go look at Acts 2, which has some apocalyptic stuff because it quotes Joel, and Joel has some apocalyptic stuff in it. Uh, you look at Acts 2, and you have uh, on your your male servants, your female servants, all this, it's the, the Holy Spirit coming on those, that everybody can be a part of the church. And we're getting that language again of, oh, this offer from the second beast, it's for everybody. Uh, rich and poor and uh, slave and free. It's a false church kind of idea. It's a synagogue of Satan sort of idea. And all this language that we're getting now from John starting to come together. Okay. I want to skip Revelation 17 to talk about that last part, judgment of evil. We'll come back to Revelation 17 a little bit. Uh, but the cycle is the same with all these bad guys. Deception, power, fear, that's how that kingdom wants to rule and win. Uh, and, you know, if you do not submit to that kingdom, you run the risk of, you know, dying. Uh, but here is how it ends for all of them. Uh, in judgment of evil here, the beast of the earth in Revelation 13, we're told this in Revelation 16 too, this is the bottom of that page, so the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast uh, and worshipped its image. We keep going here. The sea beast, the earth beast, who is called the false prophet in Revelation 19. Uh, and those that have the mark are said to meet this end. The beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast. Okay, so that's beast one and beast two. Uh, and those who worshipped its image. Those two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Uh, next, and Satan is said to be ended this way. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Uh, the great prostitute in chapter 18. So right after we learn about her in 17, we get this in 18. Uh, for this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Uh, and then those that follow these things, in Revelation 21.8, follow all the way to the second death, uh, is what that says there. Uh, when Jesus talks about hell, and Matthew, we, we don't end until 45, right? Isn't that true, right. Sunday mornings? Okay, well, now you're going to get free time, and that makes me upset. Uh, so we're going to roll over those minutes <coughs> the next week, uh, and then we'll do it that way. Nobody liked that decision. That's fine. Uh, when, when Jesus describes hell in Matthew's gospel, the description that we're given is that, it's, uh, that hell is prepared for 
the devil and his angels. That's who it's made for, this place of punishment of those that uh, even in the presence of God chose rebellion and seeking their own power as the right choice. Uh, but then we talk about hell as a uh, punishment for people, which is true, but that's not why it was created, but it's for those things, and if you want to follow those things, you're going to end up where those things are. Uh, that's the creation of that place, all this, and John is reinforcing this in Revelation, that all these things lose. They win for a time. Uh, there is conquering, there is uh, suffering, there's pain, and all this associated with the kingdom of God, but the overriding thing is victory because of Christ Jesus, because of the blood of the Lamb, that's what we keep seeing over and over again, uh, through sharing the testimony of Jesus, uh, to being faithful to him and following him, we're going to end up in a place of victory. And all of these things, all the beasts, the dragon, uh, the, the great prostitute, all of these things are going to be conquered by the victorious Christ. That's, that's their end. So they, they dominate this middle part of the book, but they all lose. They all lose. If you want to win, though, in the time being, like in, in this middle part here, and say, well, I'm not having to deal with death, that's not entirely true. You are dealing with death, with sinful behaviors and things like that. You may just not have to pay up for those things now. But they all end up in the same spot. God's wrath coming upon that sin, those behaviors that are contrary to him, they all lose the people of God enter into victory. And all of the, the peace and prosperity and all this that these beasts, bad guys, uh, promise that they can't deliver on, what we find at the very end of Revelation, which we're not ready for yet, but we will get there. It's the best part. What we find at the very end of the book is it's God who truly delivers on all of that. If we follow him, then we're going to end up into his we are in his kingdom. If we remain in his kingdom, we'll end up in a place of true peace and prosperity with him. Okay. That's all I've got for today. Just that. Uh, look at the number seven through Revelation. Mark the occurrences. That's the, that's the take home. Let's write those down. We'll start in on numbers next week, looking at the number seven and maybe some other stuff.